five, six, seven, eight. Hit it, boys. (laughs) Action. (laughs) Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Hey, welcome back for today's episode, number 58. We're actually going to take it back to number five. This episode was with a fan favorite here at So Sorry For Your Loss, Jessica Hirsch. She's been on twice, and her very first appearance has been one of the most popular episodes for So Sorry For Your Loss. We talk about signs, you know, the signs from the universe that you get from your loved ones that kind of give you some messages to let you know that they're okay and give you messages that you may need in your life at that time. Such a popular topic here, one that I actually want to dive into again. But before we do, I thought, let's replay this legacy episode. So while you're listening, if you're thinking about signs that you've had from your loved one, send me an email or a DM. The email can go to giannademedio at gmail.com. DM can go on Instagram at so sorry with Gianna about a sign that you've had from your loved one. And we'll make an episode full of all of your stories. Also, if you love signs and they're totally your thing, we got some great great apparel over at All the Skies, my new modern sympathy shop that honors how powerful signs can be, a reminder to always look for the signs and just put it out there in the community that you're somebody who believes in this. It's going to be probably interesting. I wonder if people would come up if you're wearing this apparel and share stories with you of their signs, which I always love when people do that. So shopalltheskies.com for that. And here's today's episode. Jessica Hirsch is 30 years old, living in Philadelphia and grieving the loss of her mother, Sarah Jane who died of multiple myeloma, a cancer of the plasma cells, in October of 2016. Fun fact, Jessica and I met at summer camp, good old Camp Quebec, when we were only nine years old. It wasn't until both of our lives turned upside down from the loss of our parents that we reconnected in the fall of 2017 at a grief group called The Dinner Party. Jessica is one of those people that honestly just radiates a completely different light than most of us. The second you meet her, She makes you feel like you've known each other your whole life. She's also basically a Disney princess. Like Elsa from Frozen, she has a thin cluster of frost white strands in her front bangs. As far as I know, she does not have the powers to freeze items on command, but she does have the power to make you laugh and to get you up to speed on any drama from the Bravo network. So with that, I am pleased to introduce Jessica Hirsch. Hi. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love having a microphone. (laughs) So let's start with your mom, Sarah Jane. Tell me a little bit about her. What was she like? She was incredible. It's really hard for me to pick one word to describe her, which is kind of bad because I'm a writer and that's my job and I should be able to do that. But she was just a presence of calm serenity and she was feisty one of the most standout things about her was she had this incredible sense of justice and doing what was right and she always believed in sticking up for the small person sticking up for yourself and I think she really instilled that in me and also in my brother who's a lawyer now and he is very much passionate about like giving people what they're 
what they deserve in the sense of everyone is open to certain opportunities. What were some of the causes she advocated for the most? So many. She was a really intense advocate for just women in general. She, um, my parents divorced when I was really young. So um, my mom had full custody, I believe. And she had us full time and still worked full time. She was a VP at a bank. She would still go to, you know, Adam's hockey game in my violin recital and things like that. But she really made a difference in the lives of people she interacted with. She was an incredibly generous tipper. She would make conversations with everyone. One of the nicest things she would do, and she did this all the time, is she had a really great experience in any kind of store, airport, anything. She would write a letter to the manager of that branch and also the CEO and say the person's name and say the experience that happened. Very thoughtful. She really took a lot of time and effort for these kinds of things. She did it all the time. She was so great at being happy for and celebrating not only like the people in her life, but everybody who she came into contact with. And I think that that's really rare. When did she learn of the cancer and what was that journey like for her and for you and your family? So actually she learned it was today, December 2nd. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So she was diagnosed. I'd like to interrupt. Do you think that maybe that's a sign? Obviously. Everything's a sign. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But she found out December 2nd of 2011. I was a senior in college. So it was right before my fall break. And she didn't want to tell me or my brother until we came home for the break. But she went to a regular checkup because she was the type of person who always had her dental cleaning scheduled for like six months in advance, never was late for anything. Power doer. Oh my I know. God. I'm the opposite. I put that off as much as possible. I'm like, oh, do I even know which insurance I have right now? <laughs> Sorry, ZocDoc. I haven't updated you in years. <laughs> but so she went to her, her doctor's appointment and she, they gave kind of like an incorrect diagnosis over the phone, which is something you're not supposed to do. Absolutely not. Yeah. Rule number one of med school, please don't give bad news over the phone. Don't give incorrect news over the phone. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like cardinal rules A and B were broken. So it's (laughs) fine. It's great. But she knew quite a few doctors in our area and they were able to get her in with somebody. And through that, they discovered that she had multiple myeloma, which is uh, plasma cancer, but the way I kind of explain it is it's almost a bone marrow cancer. So little bits of your bone get lesions, which are broken spots for lack of a better word. So it's like your bones are breaking all the time, which just sounds so heartbreakingly mm-hmm. terrible. She was not the type of person to let it get her down. Obviously she was devastated, but she didn't really give it a choice. She said, okay, I still have to work. I'm still going to live my life. She worked full time the entire time. And I think she tried to live with it not as her life, not that it was a defining part of her, to the point that it was something that she really didn't talk about with a lot of people. And I think that her passing came as a shock to a lot of people who Mm. she knew for a long time. I didn't tell a lot of my friends about it. Well, how was that for you then? You were kind of dealing with this in secret. I mean, was that, you know, you were fulfilling what your mom wanted, but did that make it hard for you? A bit. I told a handful of people, so I had... A resource. I also saw a therapist at the time, still see one now, but a different one. And that was helpful. But I don't think she wanted to make it a secret. I think professionally, she didn't want it to be something open because that could be a way that people would look at her differently because she was, you know, a hardworking woman and Mm -hmm. a 
a powerful role. Everyone who I told was great about it, but it really wasn't until her last three months of being here that I was able to tell kind of more people in my life because all of a sudden I went from working, going out to, I quite literally moved into a hospital for three months Yeah, and you can't really say, oh, we're at the hospital. Everything's fine though. Right. My brother's coming in from Florida. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Right. And what was that like watching her health decline? Like what started to go through your head as we had talked about earlier, like the inevitable seemed to be happening right there in front of you. So for really for four and a half years, it was almost like a farce because she was so strong and wasn't letting this interfere with her life. And that was incredible. And to some extent, even though, you know, we had this diagnosis, I felt like her death was so sudden because none of us emotionally prepared for any of it because we weren't treating it like a death sentence, right? which was a blessing and a curse and something that really both hurts me, but also gives me comfort is that my mom didn't know she was dying. Like she would absolutely not accept it. And there's something that's very powerful about that. And I'm glad that she didn't have to have that resignation. But selfishly, there were times when I was like, can we just like have a talk? And that was really just in the last two weeks of her life period. I didn't think it was happening until those two weeks or really about a week. I was her primary caregiver as soon as we checked into the hospital on August 4th, 2016. It'll always be a date in the front of my mind. And all that to say is my head was really in the weeds of everything. So I wasn't thinking about broader perspective of like, is this the last like time we're going to have together? You know, I didn't think about all the things that I'd want to know now. I thought about, okay, we need to make sure that this doctor comes at this time and did they give her this medicine? And when I say live, I lived at the hospital. I mean, I slept there for three months. I did not leave. I showered there, like fully lived there. And shout out to Penn. They were amazing. And I can't say enough good things about the people who took care of her because I... It makes such a difference. Yeah. I feel like they still take care of me and like I'll see some of her nurses and whatnot on occasion. And I feel like we have this really special bond and they probably have that with so many people, which is remarkable. Yeah. And yet... That's incredible. Yeah. It's really nice. This seems to be something that I hear from a lot of people who go through the type of death that is kind of drawn out. And it's something that we went through with my husband's mother for as much as you know, it is coming. It does almost always feel like this surprise because you get so used to just living with them being sick. Absolutely. Totally. You don't ever think it's going to get to that next step. No. So it's this morph of you knew, but it was a surprise. And it's just this weird mess of feelings. Absolutely. There's something weird about almost like a long-term illness as opposed to something happening within the span of a year or a few months. And trust me, there is no good way for it to happen. It's all right. It's all garbage. But like, she still had a sense of humor the whole time. She was so funny. Like um, her doctor came in to check on her one of the first days we were in the hospital and she said, and he said, do you know what my name is? And she just looks at him and goes, George. And he was like, you know, that's not my name. And she was like, obviously I know that's not your name, George. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> very funny. She had like a really great dry sense of humor and made me appreciate kind of quick wit at a really young age. 
And yeah. like you said, she you had a certainly lot of have it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm flattered. But um, she did everything with a lot of grace. It was really impressive how she carried herself. And now that I'm older, I think, oh my God, I don't know how you made it to dinner every night. I don't know how you made it to every single thing, how Adam yeah. and I went through school, how we did all of this stuff. And you were just such a force in our lives. And she really made it look easy, which is not even fathomable. I read something about that the other day. And I think it's so true that you start to appreciate your parents in a totally different way as you get older and as you get to the age that they were when they had you and you're like, oh my God, you had two kids at this age. Like I can't even effectively make a dinner reservation on time. Like how, how is this possible? And I think that's something that's hard losing our parents at a young age because they're not here for us to Tell them how we appreciate them. Totally. And I think that I know that there's a different type of heartbreak for almost like our parents' generation as they see their parents get older, which is natural. And not only do they appreciate them, but then it changes dependency. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but like when I hear that, it almost makes me so sad because I'm like, I would give anything to be able to be in that position where I had so much time with my mom. Is there anything else that you learned that you could pass on to people that are going through a similar situation that are watching a loved one decline that, you know, it's inevitable that they're going to pass? Like, what can you share to help? If they're at a point where they're still verbally communicative, ask them about things that they've always wanted to do or just stories that they love from their childhood. I would also say celebrate every moment that you can and It helps. One time we were in the hospital. It was in the last two weeks. It might have been in the last week. And my mom said to me, whose birthday is it? And I said, no one's. And she said, well, I want a birthday party. I want to go to a birthday party. So I said, okay. Oh my gosh, that is fantastic. So we went across the street to Insomnia, or I went, and got her a birthday cake And I made her this like whole playlist of songs. And we had, you know, like hats and I think we got like a birthday card. I don't remember, but I definitely remember the cake. It was a chocolate chip M&M cookie. She said something about wanting a birthday. So we made a birthday party that day. That is so cute. It was, that was either her last or second to last day of being like verbally communicative. Wow. So I was really happy that we were able to give her that. And one of my like strongest last memories of her is... During that, we were listening to just like songs we used to listen to when I was growing up in the car and through her childhood. And there's that song, I Love You More Today Than Yesterday. It's by, I want to say, Spiral Staircase. It's like a 70s song. And we sang that together. Like I remember like her kind of humming it and me singing it. We're sitting next to the hospital bed. And now that song like means everything to me because it's one of my last memories. And then there's, you know, like after that, she was like, I'm having so much fun, but can we go home? And like that you know, that'll completely break your heart. Yeah. But you have to do everything you possibly can to make that person happy. Ask them their favorite foods and the hospital does not care. Go get them. If somebody wants a steak, go get a steak. I was getting dirt cups at Wawa all the time (laughs) because you want them to still feel like themselves. So I would say treasure the time you have with the things that they treasure. That is really, really great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. And a perfect segue is that song that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that at a certain time or a special time and said to yourself, oh my God, that's it. That's mom. That's a sign. I have, but there's actually been other songs that really have. There was this song 
We listened to a lot of disco in the car, clearly. Like oldies <laughs> 98.1. Um, so it was a good. great radio station. I think it's still around, but like oldies now is probably Backstreet Boys, which is. I was just going to say that. Oldies now is like stuff when we were kids, and that's just that's bizarre. Horrifying. I remember oldies being like the doo wop generation. Yes, 100%. Yeah. I, what they consider oldies them. now, I mean, when I'm. 30 years old and the stuff that they're playing at oldies, like I remember, yeah. like that's not okay. Yeah, I <laughs> totally agree. But there's this disco song by, I think her name is Alicia Bridges called I Love the Nightlife. And there's a line in it that says like, I want some action. It, she says oh, yeah. action, but the way she says action. it is Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being in the car with my mom when I was really young. And she said to me, Jess, I've been wondering my whole life, what does action mean? And I was like, do you mean action? <laughs> and she, and I think I was seven, you know, I was a little kid and she thought it was so funny. And so every time we heard that song, we would like get a kick out of it and we would always be like, action, you oh, know? so cute. So I hear that one more than I hear. I play the Spiral Staircase one because I think it meant more to me, mm-hmm. but the action one was so our song. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually with my mom's family a few weeks ago in Florida and it just randomly started playing over the pool speaker. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I was like, every time I just say, hi mom, you know, there's, um, there's something really connecting in those moments, but also it's as much as you want to or not want to believe and at bare minimum, you get to just think about a really happy memory between you and that person. And you don't have to consider it a sign if you don't want to, but if you do, it's, it's really great to feel like they're communicating with you still. Yeah. And if not, you just get a nice little warm reminder of your person. Absolutely. Also, and this is in the book signs and we'll totally talk about it more later. Well, no, this is perfect. This oh, is, perfect. Let's, let's get into it now. So, so, so tell us about this. So it's this book called Signs, The Secret Language of the Universe by Laurelyn Jackson. And I heard about it in two ways. One from a Real Housewives podcast called Bitch Sesh. Highly recommend. <laughs> Shout out to Casey Wilson. This is how Jessica gets all of her news. Um, truly. <laughs> this and like the Daily Mail and, you know... Bravo Twitter. Um, (laughs) And I also saw somebody had posted about it on um, Chelsea Handler's Instagram, or I guess that means Chelsea Handler posted about it. And I was coming up on my mom's three-year anniversary and I was just like, I need a sign. And at the time I didn't realize that I had a lot of signs around me. And even today when I was thinking about it, there's so many times when I'm like, I want a sign, I want a sign. But there's been so many signs that I didn't see them as signs. I just saw them as things. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you have to be really keyed into. But the way that Laurelyn Jackson, I'll just call her Laurelyn. I think that's what she refers to herself as. And we're close personal friends now, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) LLJ. Yeah. LLJ and I, um, (laughs) it was a dark stormy night. No, um, Laurelyn was saying that everybody has this You have almost like a network of people rooting for you in whatever other space is. And like some of those are people who you've met. Some of them is just like your instinct. It's just, I think she calls it the other side, but it's like a completely benevolent force that's looking out for you. And she used some type of science to, I want to say, prove or help legitimize that there's like energy frequencies that operate. Interesting. Yeah. I have to, like, don't quote me allegedly, like, but I know that she is aligned with, I want to say like the NIH or another really big health organization. Oh, wow. Something that's pretty significant. I remember reading it and being impressed. And 
everything operates, you know, on wavelengths and like magnetic force. Mm -hmm. And that's why music is an easy way to communicate because music happens at a magnetic force and like on energy waves. And that's also why people say, I mean, I use this as one, like coins are really big way that people communicate. Metal has a frequency. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, wow. So so if you're thinking about like like force and charge, exactly. So like electric charge and magnetic force. And also a lot of people use animals as a symbol or a sign, you know, for me. I know a lot of people talk about butterflies. Butterflies is a big one. Theoretically, the other side will use these as symbols because animals are more tuned into wavelengths Mm -hmm. and magnetic field. So that's why it's easier for them to use these things that are like natural lines of communication, which is crazy. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about how therapy has been an absolute life changer for me. Like I legit don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're on the hunt for a therapy partner, you need to check out BetterHelp. It offers virtual services, assesses your personalized needs, and matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start talking to within 48 hours. And it's even more affordable than traditional counseling. Speaking of affordability, they're allowing me to gift you with 10% off your first month because I love you and I want to see you get the help that you need. You absolutely owe it to yourself to seek the support of a licensed therapist. You probably already do your banking online, read your news online, and do so many other things online. So go ahead and take care of that aching heart. Again, code SSFYL can get you 10% off your first month. They really make it so simple. So go check it out. Betterhelp.com SSFYL. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash S-S-F-Y-L. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. But it makes a ton of sense now that you say it that way. And there's a thing called ghost phone calls, which... Yes, I've had them. You have them? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want one so badly. But my mom and I, on the same night, a month after my grandfather died got a phone call from a number that showed up on our phone as 00000000. That's insane. I took a screenshot of it. I sent it to my mom and I jokingly said, oh my God, pop-up just called. And she screenshot it back to me and said, (gasps) me too. That's amazing. And then, so that's a thing. They call it ghost calls and like it'll happen frequently or infrequently or just then you try to call the number back and it's disconnected or it's a story like that and I just sitting here I just remembered when uh, my grandfather my mom's father passed away the night we were going to his funeral in Connecticut I was in my childhood room and for some reason my tv was unplugged but in the middle of the night I woke up and it was like on static Mm. and it was on, you could hear sports center, which my grandfather always had sports center really, really loud. And I looked the next day and the TV was unplugged. (gasps) And I just remembered that and being like, that was crazy. But when you think about it, it's, you know, magnetic or a frequency thing. When you look back and think about these little moments, right. They're all tied to something like that. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. But meanwhile, you know, If somebody's happier believing that that's just a circumstance, that is a-okay. It's all whatever anybody chooses to acknowledge. Of course. So um, something in the book was she connected with this guy who, I guess there's like a national organization for skepticism of something, which is also (laughs) hysterical. Uh, There's like an organization a day for everything. And he obviously was skeptical and then had a moment of, that could only be explained 
in his mind as a sign. And this is somebody who is obviously like a true believer in non-signs. Right. So I think exactly like you said, it can be as much or as little as you want to believe. But if you're somebody who is facing any sort of loss, it's nice to look for ways to connect with the person you've lost, but also have the peace of mind that you don't always have to look for them, but they're still there regardless. Yeah. That's one of the things that I think definitely helps me. And I'll be the first one to say that this could very well just be my own defense mechanism Mm -hmm. because it is so much easier for me to be able to say my dad can still see what's going on in my life and he can send me signs to say that he does. And my dad can connect with me a little bit. I remember when my grandmother first passed away when I was 15. So that was really the most significant, the Mm. first significant loss that I, I had dealt with. And I had went to see a spiritual medium. I think when I was like 20. That is so cool. And man, the stuff that came out of that was just absolutely incredible. Like I remember feeling like, okay, this feels like my grandmother just moved to Europe and I just can't talk to her, but I know that if I like needed to get in touch with her, I could just like send a sign or she can send a sign or or something. It takes away that like harsh physical boundary of them being gone. A hundred percent. And again, if it's just a defense mechanism, fine, but it is something that has really helped me and dealing with the losses that I've had in my life. I totally agree. I think that there is certainly something to be said for feeling, unfortunately, like we don't get to hear their voice again, like physically hear it in the space that we normally used to, and we don't get to physically see them in the way that we used to. So if there's a moment in time where you get to feel as if they're with you or at least trying to be with you, I think that there's, there's no harm in writing that out and experiencing it. Yeah, it could be yeah. really meaningful. Yeah. So Signs, The Secret Language of the Universe by our girl LLJ, Laura Lynn Jackson. You recommend it? You think people should pick it up and give it a read? Highly. It really helped me look back on things. Part of it made me a little sad because I'm like, God, I wish my mom was sending me more signs. And I was I was getting a little frustrated reading it because I'd say, how are these people like having these conversations all the time? You know, they say to their spirit guide or whomever the other side and they say I want you to appear as a red elephant and then all of a sudden the person starts seeing red elephants in a stationary store or the person standing in front of them has a red elephant backpack oh wow yeah so it's kind of you can ask the universe I think that's on the very okay far end of one part of the spectrum oh you sure I sure do too but then like this book has so many examples of it which is crazy but in my mind, if I see red elephants everywhere tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to call you and yeah, freak out. You're going to be like, LLJ did this. Sarah to Jane. Us. Sarah Jane, why? <laughs> but I think that there's also, I feel like I'm asking for signs a lot. And sometimes, you know, it's like in life, you can't try too hard. And yeah. I'm always like, I want this, I want this, I want this. But then. So you're asking the wrong question. I'm asking the wrong question. From what I understand, you shouldn't be asking, I want X, Y, or Z. You want to say, Please give me the openness exactly right. to see the signs that are being sent. Sure. Please give me the awareness. Please give me the understanding. I've also heard that talking to the those that are on the quote other, other side, side yeah. helps. I don't know if it does, but I used to do the same thing. I would be like, Grammy, I need you to send me a sign that you know what's going on right. or or something. And it, it didn't work. But you're right. And it doesn't yeah, it doesn't happen quite on demand. Everything else in this world is on demand. Right. And also my mom was very polite and, like you said, very graceful. So I don't think that she would appreciate me just being like, mom, give me this sign. <laughs> like, I'm looking for it. 
It's like when you are looking for something. She's like, quit nagging me. God. It's like when your parents were on the phone when you were growing up and you wanted them to help you with something or like pay attention to you. And you're like, mom, mom, can you do this? Mom. (laughs) Like, which was straight up me. So I guess if I think of it that way and instead of, you know, asking for a conversation or giving the groundwork for a conversation, I do have a favorite what I see as a sign that happened to me and it happened with me and my aunt. And she, I would say that she is not somebody who immediately would believe in something spiritual. She certainly feels my mom's presence, but I don't think she's the type of person who would, let's say, go to a medium. My aunt was visiting. I want to say it was about three or four months after my mom passed and we were at a TJ Maxx and my mom was the best bargain shopper you've ever heard of. We didn't believe in full price in my household. <laughs> there was no such thing. My grandmother was the same way. Mark's mom was the same way. I mean, it is a whole different level of sport. I mean, Maxinistas. Yes. Get more for the max. It's it's truly <laughs> a lifestyle. Not actually, but we love a good deal. I still do. And if I um, if I see something that's a really good deal, I'm like, oh my God, my mom would love this. Mm-hmm. But we were at this TJ Maxx and both of us had to go to the bathroom, which isn't that weird, but like... I don't think either of us would ideally want to go in a random TJ Maxx. And at this TJ Maxx, you had to like get a key and security it to let you through the back of the store. And it was this whole weird thing. And we're like, is this even worth it? Like, I'll just hold it in, whatever. We end up going. My aunt walks into a stall and I walk into a stall and I'm in the stall and I look down at the toilet and I said, Aunt Kimmy, you have to come in here. <laughs> and she said, Jess, I don't want to see you know, whatever that is, whatever it is. And I said, no, 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 no. You have to come in here. So she comes in the stall and we look in the toilet bowl and there's just a bunch of pennies sitting in the toilet bowl. And pennies were like my grandfather's. That's how my mom and my aunt saw their father communicating with them. And that's something that my mom and I always kind of not talked about, but it was just acknowledged that like she would see a penny on the stream and be like, hi, dad. Right. And it was something that I was certainly using as hopefully a sign. And then I look in this toilet bowl and it's not like there just was just a random one cluster penny. of them. It was a cluster and it was so weird. And my aunt and I are, you know, in the stall. We're like, what is happening? This is crazy because that's sure. You could theoretically say, okay, somebody like had to use the restroom and at some point a penny fell out of their pants and whatever. But it's a very weird. A lot of things had to align. Right. Exactly right. You didn't just open a door and go into this bathroom. I mean, you had to get a key. You had yeah, to get let there in. Were a I mean, lot you of had steps. to really commit mm-hmm. to going to the bathroom at that place. Exactly. <laughs> so we both saw that moment and we just talked about it recently too. And it was a really nice moment. And my aunt and I are already close. We have the same birthday, but I think that my mom also really valued my aunt's relationship to me and vice versa, us being together for it too was really important for her. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was like one of my favorite things that's happened. Very Very strange. And how long ago was that? Probably two and a half years ago. Okay. I definitely had a few more moments early into my grieving experience than I have as of late. And selfishly, I think I want them more now because it's been As time goes on, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. But you're right. I have to reframe the conversation instead of being like, I want more signs. <laughs> Mom. Mom. <laughs> signs. Yeah. I want it. 
Yes. Well, try that and we'll check in with you in a few weeks and see how that's changed. All right, great. Well, all that was fantastic. So now I'm going to share some stories that I've collected from followers of So Sorry for Your Loss. The first one here is from Jake Marin. Jake lost his mom in July of 2019. So this was recent, a sign that he had from her. I'm going to be reading the story from his perspective. So it's going to be first person. So here we go. For my mom's 75th birthday, I took her to Italy. She is hugely devoted to St. Anthony, a Catholic saint and finder of lost things. St. Anthony's tomb is in Padua, Italy at his church. My sister Margie went along with us. It was mom's dream to visit his tomb. The morning of the big trip to St. Anthony's tomb, we get our train tickets at the Venice train station. As we are sitting at the station, Margie breaks her glasses. She lost a screw for the one side. She didn't have contacts and she couldn't see very well. And there was nowhere in sight, no pun intended, Mm. that could fix it. Margie was upset, but she said, look, I've seen this church before. This is more important that mom see it. I'll be okay. Let's keep going. But if only I had a bread tie, one of those twister seals, the little wire things that tie bread bags closed. If I had a bread tie, I could use the wire to fix the glasses. But obviously she thought, where are we supposed to find something like that here? So let's just keep going. We get up and walk down the perfectly clean platform to board the train for Padua. Just before we board, mom bends down and picks up one pristine bread tie. Oh, that's amazing. She says to Margie, here you go. No worries. St. Anthony always helps out. Oh, it was really crazy. One lonely bread tie emits nothing else. Margie fixed her glasses and all was good. My mom passed away Saturday, July 6th. On Wednesday, July 10th, the day before the funeral, Margie sends us all a text. She was leaving a store that morning, and when she got to her car, she looked down and saw one single bread tie right at her feet. Oh, I love that. She took that as a sign of hope. Definitely. And then... He actually sent me the picture of the bread tie and it really was like not mangled at all. Like it was just like perfectly crazy, like right there. That's wild. I wouldn't even know where to buy a bread tie. Do you know what I mean? I've only ever seen them at the grocery store. You don't see them willy nilly. Right, (laughs) right. Like, yeah, whose pocket did that fall out of? Right. Or like a bobby pin. Nobody's hoarding or buying bread clips (laughs) or bread twisties. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Next story is from Missy Green. Missy Green lost her father. Uh, I'm actually not quite sure what year, but I think um, a few years ago. She has two beautiful sons. And this story, I'm going to tell you again in first person from Missy. I took my son to his first baseball game the spring after my dad died. My dad loved baseball. He played in college and loved the Philadelphia Phillies. I was so sad to be taking my son without him. We walked into the stadium, and the first song we heard was my dad's favorite song, Run Around Sue. We all stopped in our tracks, looked at each other, and said, great. He's here with us, too. Oh, That was a short and sweet one. Short and sweet, but also frequency. I was, you know, I was just thinking that. I was saying about that is frequency. The bread tie is technically a metal. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these things are are super connected. Yeah. So I'll end with a story of my own. And although I certainly have many to choose from, as my dad, like I said, certainly found his voice up there. Hmm. You know that Mark and I got married this summer, June of 2019. And while he was ready to start having kids like six months into our relationship, <laughs> I wanted to take the traditional route. And even once we were married, I wasn't ready to immediately get pregnant after the wedding. I had a summer 
that I needed to live out. I needed to turn 30. I needed to have that glass of champagne for that, margaritas to drink, you know. So I did want to go off birth control, give my body some time to adjust to not being fed this constant stream of hormones that I had been giving it over the last decade. So I make an appointment to go to the doctor and Mark comes with me and we take this as an opportunity to ask all the questions that we have about this next phase that what's this have in store for us? You know, how how long is it normally take? to have a baby? What's it like here at at this doctor's office or this hospital? What are the numbers we call? Everything under the sun. So later that day, I'm in my office and I'm texting with my friend who at this point in time is actively trying to get pregnant. And she's telling me, yes, this is the perfect time for us to try so that I can have the baby in X month and take X months off from work, yada, yada. I'm thinking to myself, I clearly understand that it takes nine months to have a baby. Right, right. But where does that put me? Like when, if if it happens in these months, where, where does it go? Right. So I turn to Google and I type in pregnancy due date calculator. And is there anything you can't like just turn to Google for, by the way, like Um, the fact that that's one of them. So the calendar on my desktop is simultaneously up on my computer at this point. And I pick a random date from the month that it happens to be on. And I throw it into calculator, into the pregnancy calculator. And I press calculate. Of all 365 days oh, no. of the year, the day that populates is May 22nd, the day my dad died. Oh. <laughs> so I sat there in a complete state of shock. Yeah. I took a picture of the screen and I sent it to Mark and I said, well, daddy knows we were at the doctor this morning. <laughs> oh, that's so wild. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. I mean, it was really incredible. Like it, I just, I still, I can't get over it. That's crazy. At first, you know, like I was saying, I really didn't want to get pregnant that soon. So I had told myself it wasn't an option. Right. But it 1 million percent crept into my psyche and really did mess me up. Yeah. Because I started to tell myself like how awesome that would be. Right. And how I needed to rewrite the narrative for that day. Right. And just like give it a different memory. But I completely realized now that that would have been awful. Like what kind of mother would I be? I would be what, like icing my child's birthday cake and like sobbing into it. Like, okay, here, okay. Like Betty Crocker frosting with a side of tears. Actually though, I think about this all <laughs> the time because my mom's funeral was on Halloween. Oh and, wow. And like part of her would have gotten, because like she was super dry and like funny, she would have gotten like a really interesting like sense of satisfaction out of it and just like thought it was a joke. But she also would have been like, really guys, Halloween? Are you (laughs) kidding me? But in Judaism, you have to bury people before a certain day, but not, it's a hot mess. So you guys do it quick. Yeah. And um, (laughs) yeah, so, so there we are on Halloween. So now Halloween is obviously a very hard day for me in addition to everybody you know was asking oh what are you doing for Halloween like what's this for Halloween you see Halloween everywhere and I'm like can you all it's a very constant reminder exactly I mean the same way that almost everyone who's grieving kind of feels about the holidays usually or like Mother's Day Father's Day Memorial Day Veterans Day whatever it is that aligns with the person you lost so I'm always like really and then I think about it and I'm like for my kids am I just gonna make my husband to be shout out whoever you are like trick or treat with them and yeah. I'm going like, to stay home and 
you know, like shop on Costco, like my mom would have wanted me to. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I really wonder. And I wonder if there are any listeners out there who share the birth of their child with another sad day for them and and how that's worked out. So coming from the situation that Mark and I have, there are a lot of dates on the calendar, unfortunately, that could be blacklisted. And that's not to say that all of them would be bad. But I think the particular sense of trauma around my dad's death date because of it being relatively sudden that would have certainly made it a different animal. Right. And I am glad that it did not work out that way. But as a follow-up, I have this app that I've been like tracking my cycles and stuff. And it did send me an email. So my dad went into the hospital on the 17th and he passed the 22nd. And I got an email that said, if you conceive this cycle, your child will be born either (laughs) between the dates of May 17th and May 22nd. And you're like, <laughs> you're like uh, my yeah. jaw's on the floor. What do you What do you even do? I, know. I don't even know how you take that. It was just like I just kept looking at these like things that were coming in. But I also am in this weird vein that I think, and so many people are probably going to turn off this podcast as soon as I say this because it's so crazy. But like, no, they I, definitely turned it off when I started at Sagittarius. You're fine. <laughs> There's three people still listening. Yeah. Hey, three of you, LLJ, is that you? <laughs> so I am of the mind that there are spirits up there already. And that like, my dad is already with my kids. Oh, yeah. That's also like something that's in this book. That's in also, I believe there's like an old Jewish kind of, I don't want to say proverb, but I'm pretty sure that it's like you almost experience the whole universe before you're born. Oh, wow. And then you like come in and like start anew. And also this is slightly morbid, but you, that's also where kind of that rule of no tattoos comes in because you, people want you to leave the world the way you came in, which is like, Uh, you know, uh, naked, pure, naked, pure, whatever. But and your time in advance, I think you connect to spaces and time and whatever. And that's something I believe too, because I'm with you. I also think that this concept of, you know, I think your intuition in general, is something that is really important. It's all very wild and something that we will never know, maybe never truly know the I real think that it's answer all to as big or as small as you want to make it. That is a fabulous way to end it. <sighs> Jessica, I cannot thank you enough. This was so wonderful. I think we had some really deep, intriguing conversations and just a lot of laughter along the way. And that's something that I, you know, I really want to highlight with grief. And I appreciate you bringing that to us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I truly loved it. And like I said, never give me a microphone. I won't let go. I'm leaving (laughs) here with it. Jessica will now do an hour of karaoke. (laughs) Five, six, seven, eight. Hit it, boys. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned.